0: I started another series last Sunday talking about prayer. How many know prayer is important? Now, we can say that all day, but most people don't pray a whole lot. Uh, mainly because they don't know what to do. Uh, prayer is uncomfortable. It's weird. It's strange. You're talking to a person you can't see. You can't see their body language. You can't hear their voice. You can't see their facial expressions. But but God says he loves you. You have to do it by faith. So it's something you've got to learn. Like you've got to learn to drive a car well, particularly in Raleigh. If you're just learning to drive a car, Jesus help you, you know. And prayer's kind of that way. You just got to get in there and start, you know. So le- learning to ride a bicycle, it's you know, it's a little scary to start with and prayer to begin with. It's a little bit scarce. like, I don't know how to do this. Well, none of us do. And you just got to learn. So, you know, I've been in this, this is my, into my 44th year of being with Jesus and I'm still learning how to pray and learning how to fellowship. But uh, well, I titled this series, uh, Prayer at the Place of Safety. And how many know prayer is our place of safety in 2020? And, and as we get into this, you'll see why I Titled it that way. Uh, last week we looked at Jesus' prayer life and saw that even though he was the Son of God, he laid aside the power of the office of divinity. He was God manifest in the flesh and he had powers of being in that office of the second person of the Godhead, the second person of the Trinity. Philippians 2 said he laid his power aside and he lived like a human lives. He faced every temptation test. Difficulty that we faced And he did it without sinning Without saying anything wrong He did it right And he always honored and pleased his father He left us an example But he showed us how to walk in the spirit How to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us How to take God's word uh, As a reality And live in the light of his word And live in the light of the presence of our father So even with Jesus being who he was Sometimes he would spend whole nights in prayer and you wonder why Well that's the power plant for everything he did During his ministry Before he chose his disciples He spent a night in prayer Before he healed the sick He spent time in prayer Before he cast out demons He spent time in prayer Before he taught He spent time in prayer Over and over over again The New Testament verbiage is That Jesus had a habit Of departing to solitary places Mountainous places One of his favorite places Was the Mount of Olives He would go under those gnarled olive trees and bow down and bare his heart until he was satisfied that his father in heaven heard and then he just acted out what he prayed and that's the way God wants us to live how many hear me and this is not a you know Christianity is so it's so far past as being a religion and where it's a relationship with a living loving God and and at a relationship that makes a real difference in and how you face the pressures of life and how you think about yourself, how you relate to others. How many know it's true? So we we went into detail last week on that to some degree. and, And then we ended talking about the importance of really, like Jesus did, learning to pray about the details of everything in life. Jesus spent a long time praying because he prayed out the details of everywhere he went, every person he talked to, every way he ministered. And let me tell you something, just give you a little... Touch of this in prayer. You, there's an element when you get in prayer, the Holy Spirit comes on you and it becomes inspired or prophetic, in that the Holy Spirit will show you things that are coming. And that's what happened to Jesus. He would see and know things ahead of time, get up the next day after prayer. Sometimes he would get up a great while before day, go out and, and pray, and then he would get ready for his day. Now, what if we did that, friends? Work would be different, relationships would be different, marriage would be different, challenges would be different, we would be different. How many agree? So we talked about that last week. Samuel Chadwick, a wonderful man of God. I think uh, Samuel Chadwick died like 1927. Wonderful man of God. I read after these old guys because they had the touch of God on them, and they took time to be with him. Samuel Chadwick said the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. I mentioned this last week. Satan fears nothing from prayerless studies, teaching, preaching. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. So, so question, why do we need to pray? Now, you know, my first, um, I'm not going to get done. I've got 10 points today, but we got next week and the next one and all that. So I'm not in a hurry. And we started late, so I'm good. Y'all good? My first job, really ministerial job, after I was a janitor in a large local church was counseling for the pastor. And I had people just fill out an intake sheet, so to speak, because we had 5,000 people and a lot of people I just didn't know. And, you know, you just need some information before you talk to somebody. So I, you know, I'd sit somebody in my office and say, well, why don't you fill this sheet out? And my secretary would give it to him, and they'd sit in a little counseling place and and fill it out and then come in my office and give me the little intake sheet with some personal information and such. And one of the questions that, that I ask, I ask a couple of questions uh, just about their spiritual life. Um, here's one question I ask. Um, uh, Do you pray every day? Question, yeah, broad question. you know. Do you read your Bible every day? You know, just give you a benchmark of you know, where a person's at. Uh, invariably, most everybody would say yes to, did you pray every day? Most people pray. That was insightful to me. But then do you read your Bible every day? No. Most of the time. 80% No. I'd say 85% would say yes to prayer every day. So, you know, people know to pray. I mean, I, as a pastor, have been in ministry since 1981, met a lot of people in crisis times. Crisis will get you to praying. Huh? The devil might even pray during a crisis. I I doubt it, but you know what I mean. It's just the way life is, you know. But why do we need to pray? Why pray? To most people, prayer is a religious exercise, and they really don't expect a whole lot to happen except prayer just makes you feel a little better. God has a different angle and idea about praying. And and really, when you get right right down to it, there are specific reasons we must pray. And today I want to begin there. I've got 10 points again I don't think. I'll get through with this today. Now, here's an interesting thing. When Jesus was raised from the dead, He appeared to His disciples uh, 40 days and then, uh, and then ascended up to heaven. And, um, and just before He went, Matthew 28, Jesus came and spake to them, the disciples, saying, this is verse 18, Matthew 28, all authorities being... Now, He's standing here. All authorities being given unto Me in heaven and on earth. He's talking to His disciples, looking at each one of them, maybe the eyes. Go, therefore... He's looking at them. And make disciples of all nations. teaching the, Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe everything I've taught you. And don't you forget it. I'm with you every day. Even to the ends of this age. There he goes. Why did Jesus do that? Why did he say, all authority is given unto? Why did he have to say that? Prior to the cross, he had authority. Demon spirits would shriek when he got near. Sickness would vanish. Dead people were raised to life. People were ministered to in big ways. He already had authority. Why did he say that? Then I noted Ephesians 6, the apostle Paul, he wrote the letter to the church in Ephesus, modern-day Turkey, A final word, verse 10. Be strong in the Lord, his mighty power. Put on all God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, Put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll still be standing firm. Why did Paul say that? Is the devil real? Most people act as though he's not. Most believers pray as though there is is no personality that's actively working to seek to hinder the purpose of God in your life. Most believers pray as though God's got all this thing under control. And it's shocking and irreligious if I say he doesn't have it all in control. Because people die. 176 people lost their lives immediately when a missile, Iranian missile, hit an airliner in Tehran. Was that God's will? I don't think so. I just read yesterday, we started our prayer meeting at 9 o'clock, not just a mile from my house. I live in Nightdale. Here's a head-on collision with a 33-year-old father and his little daughter in the car. Father dies instantly, and little daughter's in the hospital because somebody made a mistake. Is that God's will? So, so does God's will always come to pass? God wants us to walk with him. And many times we don't because we don't want to. Is that true? So, you know, I could go on and on for a good while and talk about in so many instances, God's wills not being done. Does that mean he's not overarchingly so in charge? No, that just means for now, we got problems to deal with. There's an enemy loose. Now, how did all this happen? And why did Jesus say all authority is given unto me? Why did the Apostle Paul allude to demonic forces in the atmosphere of the earth that are, that are hindering us and, 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 and set, have, are setting themselves against the purposes of God? And why do we have to put on body spiritual body armor if there's not an enemy that must be resisted? Huh? In fact, the New Testament, one of the analogies of a believer is a soldier. A soldier has no will of his own, no mind of his own. He has to obey the will of his commanding officer all the time. He has to toe the line like it or not. Officer says, go, you go. He says, get up, you get up. He says, you move, you move. Don't ask questions, obey. Yes or no? Wow. So, 10 points to explain why we must pray. I won't get through, I can tell. I see the clock. Uh, my notes, by the way, are on Version Bible. So if you want to go to and look at that, that's fine. You can follow along with me. A lot of things I say that aren't in my notes, but you can go there. Uh, go to the bottom, open up version, go to the bottom, click More, Events. Yeah, I know. You, you'll figure it out one day. And then you'll see a map of Raleigh. Click Victory Church. And then my notes are right there. Sure, really. So, so 10 points. If you know this, what it'll do is it'll just really be a catalyst to whether you feel like it or not. I, I got to pray. And that's what this has done for me. It's like, it's not an option for me to get up in the morning and not seek God. I have to pray. Not praying is like being a person that's a special op soldier. Nobody knows you're there. The enemy's everywhere. And you're going to kick some hanging. But you leave your grenades. You leave your gun. You leave your bullets. You left them back there somewhere. And you're by yourself. And you don't have any. We just got your bare hands. Got it? Without prayer, that's what it's like. So, here ten points. Number one, and y'all, this is bottom. These are fundamentals, and what they do is they is they give you a, they're a catalyst to pray. Number one, an angel named Lucifer or Satan became corrupted and rebelled against God. Now, this is in eternity past. You find the verbiage in Ezekiel twenty-eight. 11 through, I think, 19. Isaiah, I think I may read the passage there in Isaiah 14. Uh, Satan was an archangel. That he, was, he was a leading angel in heaven, the Bible says. We know very little about him. We know very little about his history except he was in heaven. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 11 uh, tends to tell us a couple of things about him. Uh, he, was, he was the anointed cherub that covers Ezekiel says or protects He had something to do with the Protection of the throne of God You know he would be like the person That surrounds our president the staff The team there the guards The security officers he would be like that He protected the throne of God then secondly There were some kind of musical Qualities about him And all of the reading I've read all of my life about him, the little we know, and these Hebrew words in Ezekiel 28, he had the capacity to create music. And many people believe perhaps he led the worship of heaven before the throne of God in eternity past. Ezekiel says he was the most beautiful creature that God had created up until that day. And then it makes a statement that perhaps God even gave this creature a limited amount of his creative ability. Because it says iniquity was found in him. He became corrupted by reason of his beauty. In fact, Lucifer means bright one. He was the most beautiful thing, person, being that God had created to date the verbiage of Ezekiel 28 brings out. And one thing happened to him, he got lifted up in pride. Now this is in my notes, Isaiah 14. How are you fallen from heaven? O shining star. New Living Translation, Lucifer. And that's where we get the term. Lucifer, bright one, shining one. O shining star. Or King James says Lucifer. Son of the morning, you've been thrown down to the earth. Hmm. You who destroyed the nations of the world, for you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven, set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away from the north. I will um, climb to the highest heavens, be like the most high. Instead, you'll be brought down to the place of the dead, down to its lowest depths. Satan, because he looked in the mirror like the Greek Narcissus. Looked in a puddle of water. You're so pretty, look at you. You're beautiful. Then he got to thinking, I'm so smart. I can do what God does and do it better. And then that's, if that wasn't bad enough, Scripture says, because he was an archangel, oversaw other angels, he went to them and said, God's not that wise. You know, God said this, God's doing that. I think we ought to do this and do that. And he slandered God. You know where the beginning of gossip was? Lucifer. You know what happens when you're slandering people? You're being used by Lucifer. You know what you're doing when you're talking about the boss? When nobody's looking, you're being used by Lucifer. It's a Luciferian tactic to talk about people who aren't there in disparaging ways yes or no churches are filled with people who who have those luciferian tactics that pastor ain't so great that staff team's stupid you listen you believe all that you're being used my friend shut up right anyway god got a hold of it a third of the angels of heaven listened to him he slandered god the Hebrew words in Ezekiel 28 give, give vent to this very clearly I've studied it out When God got wind of it A third of the angels have already listened How many know birds of a feather flock together? A third of the angels I don't know how many there are You know, Nobody knows Fell God kicked them out of heaven Jesus said I saw Satan as lightning fall from heaven Number two When Satan was thrown out of heaven He fell to the earth and I just quoted Luke 10, when the 72 or 70 disciples returned, whatever translation you're reading. Then joyfully, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Why do you use that term? Because Lucifer was bright. He looked like a streak of lightning when he fell from heaven. And where did he go? He fell to the earth. And now, you know, I have an inquisitive mind. Why didn't God just then co-sign him to hell? I don't know. I don't know. And you don't know, and we won't know till we get to heaven. And God may say it's none of your business. I don't know. He fell to the earth. Isaiah 14 says he corrupted the nations. Listen to this. Now, my first Bible school experience in 1977. I attended a school in my hometown. Um, Gordon Lindsay um, was the founder of um, Christ for the Nations Bible Institute, Dallas, Texas. Um, and we read a lot of his materials. There was another man called Genesis Finnings Dake uh, who uh, took 100,000 hours to annotate the entire Bible to put notes beside every uh, scripture in the Bible. This is Dake's Annotated Reference Bible. It's got four columns per page. I bought this in 1977. At the end of the book of Genesis, there is a plethora of information about what I'm about to say. Gordon Lindsay espoused this view. The beginning, the, the starter of Christ for the Nations Bible Institute in Dallas, Texas. Then I also attended Kenneth Hagin's school, Rama, at the time Bible Training Center in if Hagen mentioned this. So I'm going to mention a theory. It's not a doctrine. And if you if you come up to me at the end and say, I don't believe that, and I say perfectly fine with me. But I've studied this out. There's not enough scripture to make a doctrine out of it, but it's enough to help a lot of things to make sense Let me say this When I was a little boy I had an unusual um, childhood In that my dad bought two big long sets of encyclopedias I lived in the country I didn't have any neighbors So I would spend long days If it's raining outside I got those encyclopedias down And I'm just reading And I'm looking at those big colorful pictures And I'm looking and thinking And, and because of that I wanted to be an archaeologist because they would show the strata of the earth And then all these bones And all these creatures That don't look like creatures today And I love dinosaurs And those big lizard looking things And those and those weird looking those uh, You know birds and things And all those bones Of those weird, weird men The Cro-Magnon man And all those other you know Human like beings And they said we evolved you know Well I wanted to go dig and look when I'm a little boy, I picked up arrowheads. I said, man, I like to dig down like they did. Well, I got to study, and here's, here's, what, here's what some people believe is called the gap theory. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, period. That's an indistinguishable time in eternity past, which means you don't know how old the earth is. Verse 2, and the earth was about form and void. And darkness covered the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. I don't have time to explain it, just real quickly. A lot of people believe, it's just a theory, it's not a doctrine, that there's a gap between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2 of an undetermined amount of time. And it's during that gap that Satan fell from heaven to the earth and then the earth that was then, there was a race of beings here. Something was here. Isaiah 14 says the nations were corrupted. When Satan fell, there was a uh, Genesis date calls them pre-Adamites, the pre-Adam race. There's a race of beings here. When Satan fell from heaven and fell here, that whole thing was destroyed, was corrupted, and God had to destroy the whole thing with a with a cataclysmic flood. And hence, there was disorder that should have been order. And it was a judgment that had to come even before God created Adam. It's called the pre-Adam flood. I know that's kind of like, woo, way over there. I get it. But it explains where all those bones came from. Where dinosaurs came from. Satan so corrupted that then social order God had to destroy. Genesis chapter 6. The flood of Noah. Noah and his family found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Satan tried to taint the bloodline of the human race. Demonic Angels, fallen angels, had sex relations with humans, Genesis 6 says. They're now consigned and chained underneath the earth because they left their order and and did what shouldn't be done. God sent the the, um, Noah flood because he had to destroy that civilization because the bloodline got tainted and there would have been no redemption for us. So, said all that, didn't even want to go that far. Bottom line, Satan was here before Adam and Eve were even created. God recreated, the Hebrew verbiage, recreated the known social order that we have today. Animal life, plant life, zoological life, human life, here we are. And then Satan was in the Garden of Eden. How'd he get there? He fell from heaven. How many get it? Now, I know he's like, man, that's a lot to say. Yeah, it is. And this is even Sunday morning. They tell me not to do this. Well, I'm just going to violate all the rules. <laughs> Number three, in the first man, in the first man, Adam, God gave the human race a measure of his all authority, and he became God's under ruler on the earth. So, if you understand, there was a being called Lucifer, fell to the earth, corrupted the earth. God had destroyed the then social order, recreated created man, Created the animal kingdom, the plant kingdom that we now know. Some of the plants we have now were were way back then too. And then when God created man in his image, he said something to him. In fact, let me go before I do that. Let me say this about God. How many know God is the eternal one? Psalm 90 verse 2, from everlasting to everlasting you are God. He always has been, always will be. God transcends creation. What does that mean? God lives outside of the universe. Now, my little pea brain, I can't figure it out. He's bigger than the time and space we're in. <laughs> wow. Now, what does that mean? He has all authority. Did you get it? He knows all. He sees all from the minutest particle to the largest planets. He's over it all. (laughs) The earth is like a little, just a little speck of dust in his hands. Go read Isaiah, right? I just said all that to say, God is the overarching authority over everything that is. Yes or no? When God created the earth, And then created us in his image from dirt. We're carbon-based creatures. Then he said something that's really insightful. Then God said, and I'll just read New King James. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them, mankind, have dominion over the... Everybody say "dominion, dominion. Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created... Man, in his own image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. And he said it again fish of the sea, birds of the air, over the air, uh, birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. So, God, who has all authority, gave a measure of his all authority to the human race. How many see that in that scripture? Then one other passage very clear. um, David's out one night looking at the stars, looking at the Milky Way. And Psalm 80 says, when I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them, me? Human beings that you should care for them. Then he said, yet you made them only a little lower than God. It's interesting crowned them with glory and honor, you gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority, the flocks, the herds of all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the fish of the sea, everything that swims the ocean currents, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So God gave Adam and Eve and in them the human race a measure of his all authority for a period of time, we'll see in a minute, to oversee the affairs of earth. We have authority, had authority. But something took it away. This authority number four was transferred when Satan, when I'm sorry, transferred to Satan when Adam sinned. Listen to this: Hebrews two six through eight. Hebrews two mentioning Psalm eight, but one testified in a certain place saying, "What is man that you're mindful of him, or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels." You crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. you've put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. and then the last sentence, but now we do not yet see all things put under him. That's interesting, isn't it? Something happened the all the authority over the earth under God's all authority. That was given to Adam and Eve. They had it, but then they didn't have it. That's what Hebrews 2 says, clearly, right? And then if you go to Luke chapter 4, we'll take this up next Sunday again. In Luke chapter 4, here's Jesus fasted 40 days. You think three days was tough, 40. Hey, yeah. After he was hungry, Satan came to tempt him. One of the temptations, here it is. Then the devil Luke 4 verse 5, taking him, Jesus, on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory. And I, You know, my inquisitive mind, how did, he, how did he show Jesus all the kingdoms of the world in a, in a moment of time? Took him, took him to one of the high mountains. Mountains in Israel aren't real tall. They're like big hills to us sometimes. But he took him up there. And maybe he just pointed to, maybe a a symbol of of Rome. Rome ruled the world at the time. Just pointed at a Roman symbol, somewhere down, looking down, looking on one of the buildings. All this authority I'll give you and their glory. What? All the authority of the kingdoms of the world. And then he said this, for this has been delivered to me. Who delivered it to him? Adam, when he sinned. You come underneath the jurisdiction and control of the spiritual being that you obey. So for us, if we yield to the devil in all kinds of ways, he rules you. He rules your mind. He rules your flesh. He'll mess with your kids, mess with you, mess with your spouse. Take your money, take your peace, take your joy, take everything you got, eat your breakfast, lunch and dinner. And then won't let you sleep at night while you're thinking about it all. Huh? Is that true? He's a liar. Jesus said he's a thief. For this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish lie. He'd never give it away. It's got to be taken from him or he'll keep it. Other translations, uh, Amplified New Testament says, "For it's been turned over to me." Complete Jewish Bible says, "This it's been handed over to me." So from that we get that when Adam and Eve sinned, that measure of authority that God gave them to oversee the earth, it was automatically transferred to Satan. See, two things happen. This is point five—that's good. I got to point five today. Two things happened when Adam sinned. Number one. Fellowship with God was broken. Adam and Eve are the federal head of the human race. All humans come from Adam and Eve, right? When I was a little boy in church, got all these little things you're trying to figure out in your head. I figured, well, there's a lot of people on earth. Adam and Eve had to have a lot of sex to have all these kids here. I mean, I was just thinking, right? How can they have all these babies? Oh my goodness, all these babies. All these babies. The God must have created some other people from the dirt and then all of them rose grazed up and then all of them had babies and that's how we got all. no 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 everybody comes from Adam and Eve huh <laughs> hey brother hey sister hey aunt uncle we're all kin <laughs> sin came from our parents Adam and Eve we're all born in the state called sin we're fallen that's why we need a the default for every human life is hell sin if we do nothing about our behavior we knew nothing about life it's appointed unto man wants to die after that judgment because of adam and eve thank you adam thank you eve. not really second thing that happened is the authority they had was taken away given to god's arch enemy now satan and he gained a legal right to be here how many get that now now I'm going to stop with six But I need to mention this The original dominion that God gave Adam and Eve Is time limited God put it Now we know that for three reasons There's a time limit It's like God gave Adam and Eve a test I'm going I'm to raise y'all up here Create y'all Put you in a beautiful garden Let you keep the earth for me It's just going to be for a period of time We're going to do something different well, Before that period of time was up Adam messed up transferred the authority God gave him to God's arch enemy Satan Satan said I've got you now except there's one little caveat he doesn't have the authority forever Jesus was casting a demon out of a person in Matthew 8 29 they begin to scream at him now I've cast demons out of people it's weird okay it's really weird they talk through the person they begin screaming at him what are, why are you interfering with us son of God have you come here to torture us before God's appointed time? There's a time limit to the authority that Satan and all those little emissaries he has. It's a time limit assigned to them. And they know it. Revelation 12 12, speaking about the time just prior to Jesus coming back and all that scenario. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who live in the heavens, rejoice. But terror will come on the earth, and the sea, for the devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing he has a little time. And then, of course, you know from Scripture, Revelation chapter 20, first three verses, we know Satan's eventual end here. And it says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, Revelation 21, with a key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. He sees the dragon, the old serpent, which is the devil, Satan, And bound him in chains for a thousand years. The angel threw him into the bottomless pit. Which he then shut and locked so Satan could not deceive the nations anymore. Until the thousand years were finished. Afterwards he must be released for a little while. The end of Revelation 20. He's let out again and then he's cast into a place called the lake of fire. This is the eventual end. So that's what we know from scripture about Satan. What's the bottom line there? He has a time limited authority now that he got from Adam. That's the reason Jesus is coming back. He's taking that authority back from it. When Jesus comes back, Satan is divested of that authority. He can no longer steal, kill, and destroy. He can no longer maim, make sick, kill people, slaughter people, do stupid things to people. He can no longer aggravate God. He's falling for a 1,000 years. Eventually, lake of fire. So he messaged you one day, say, you know what? Don't forget, one day, dude, you're gonna burn. Dude, one day you're going to be changed. You better shut up. Right? Right now, Satan has a legal right to be here, and I'm going to stop there. Now, that's the reason that we need to pray. We have an enemy that has a, not a moral right, he's got a legal right to be here, and God must honor that legal right. We don't even think this way. There is an order To everything in creation. If you're a scientist, you know that's true. There is an order to everything quantum physics is all about. Just as there is an order to the stellar heavens. Everything has an order. Everything has a time. Is that true? Because God's a God of order. And when Satan duped Eve... And she took the forbidden fruit, took a bite. Satan may have said, Ha! I got you now. I got you, God. You want to aggravate me? Mess with my child. You'll find out what I'm like. I won't let you hurt my child. Over my dead body, God feels that way about you. That's the reason Jesus offered his body to death. Don't forget, you're bought with a price. (laughs) You can hear him, can't you? God, you think you're so smart. You kicked me out of heaven. I got a third of your angels. Don't forget, I messed up your first social order here. (laughs) You had to recreate. You did it again. (laughs) God, I got you. I caused Eve to do what you shouldn't do it. Now I've got the authority you gave Adam and Eve. What you, what you gonna do now? What you gonna do now? What you gonna do now? What you gonna do now?
1: But he didn't realize
0: that for God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he gave his only son. You come back next week. Here's what we're gonna talk about. The only people, listen, this is sobering, that have authority over what Paul talked about principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. The only people that have authority over these entities and over Satan himself is you and me. That's the reason, coming back where I started. That's the reason, just before Jesus left, guys, stand around. Eye contact. Look at me. You look hey, hey don't Peter don't look over there. Look at me. You see the nail holes? He took his feet shoes off. See my feet? Look at my back. I did that for you. I bore your sin. I went to hell for you. You're redeemed. You're bought back. I paid for your sin. God's legal. Your sin's got to be paid for. I did it for you. Accept my sacrifice, accept my blood. You'll be saved from your sin. I was raised from the dead. I've been with you 40 days. John said so many things happened that the book, no book could contain everything that he did. And the last thing he said, now listen guys, all authority is given to me. What was he saying? The authority that God has that he gave to Adam and Eve when he created them that Satan took. And God has to honor him taking it because Adam and Eve bowed they legally bowed before God's enemy. I took it back. All authority given unto me. He said that as the representative man. Then he probably paused. All authority given unto me in heaven and on earth. And can you see their faces? And they're thinking he already had it. He, he exercised authority over the winds, the waves. Over death, over sickness, over demons. Go therefore. They might have reeled back. Because that authority he took from the devil. That he took from Adam and Eve. That Adam and Eve have from God. Jesus gave to the church. You get it? Simple. That's the reason that if anything's going to happen, we got to pray. Come back next week. Here's what we will talk about. Let's listen. Think about it. It's a religious thought that God's controlling everything. Overarchingly, yes, he lives outside of creation. But for a limited period of time, there's a thief loose. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you might have life. One translation says, have life to the full. As I started out, God's will is not always done. Jesus prayed, Lord, let, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Part of my prayer life every day, Lord, let your kingdom come. For God to do something in the earth, He has to have the cooperation of a person. If God's going to do something in your family, in your marriage, in you, with your health, with your finances, if He's going to do something in the lives of your children, your friends, your extended family, people that you know and love, your church, your community, your nation, your state, well oh, I'm sorry, You can step on mine. He's got to have the cooperation of man. You see, I want you to get this. I know I'm going a little long, but bear with me a second. Listen. God can't just jump over man and do everything He wants to do in the earth. If He did... He could have consigned Satan to hell to start with and dispossessed him of that authority he took from Adam to start with. If he could have done it but didn't do it, that is horrible. He couldn't because he's just and fair. How many understand what I'm saying? That's a little bit thick. You get it though, right? And now God can't just jump over the order He created. God created the earth and gave it to man. We gave it away. Now if God's going to do stuff, He's got to work through a man. So Old Testament, blood sacrifices let Him in. And the prophets let Him in. And the Spirit of God moved upon the prophets and they spoke. New Testament, (laughs) the Spirit of the prophets... The Holy Spirit comes and resides in us in the new birth. And then He unctions us. You're part of the human race. Pray and cooperate with me and let my will be done all over the earth. So this week, just think about your life. If something different's going to happen where you work, if something different's going to happen in your home, in your family, in your children, in your relatives, in your friends, in your world, in our country. Somebody's got to ask God to do it. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, that will he do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. How many get it? So you just got responsibility to pray. Yes or no? And if we don't pray... We're dumb as dirt.